Hi, I'm David Freudberg. Each week at the Humankind on Public Radio podcast, we strive to practice the simple art of listening. At times, it can feel like a lost art in our noisy world. And of course, not everything is worth listening to. But for me, when I'm able to get centered, listening can be almost a sacred experience, a moment of focused attention that accords the speaker a measure of dignity. If you value this too, please help others to find our podcast. Consider going to Humankind on Public Radio at iTunes and leave us a kind review. And thanks for listening. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston and supported by the Humankind Program Fund. Additional funding for this series has been provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the National Institutes of Health, the Annie E. Casey Foundation, and the Park Foundation. We didn't get very much rain. When we did, we went and got plastic bags and made a hole and put them over us. And kept walking. Yes, and kept walking, yeah. Had to walk 10 miles. Had to get those 10 miles in. A determined great-grandmother walked across America 10 miles a day to protest the role of big money in our elections. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. When Mrs. Doris Haddock of Dublin, New Hampshire puts on her walking shoes, it could be for her brisk daily three-mile round-trip constitutional to the local post office. When she's at home, that is. But 93-year-old Doris Haddock, a former shoe factory worker known as Granny D, is also a long-distance walker. And for 14 months, culminating in the year 2000, shortly after her 90th birthday, Granny walked clear across the United States. What is your wall of fame here? Well, it's, it's mostly it's proclamations of Granny D days. And uh, I have altogether 52 of them. State of Indiana, honorary Hoosier, village of Columbus. I can't see where that is. Milford, I'm not sure which state. That's what I'm looking at. This is Arkansas Traveler. Granny D's 3,200-mile trek was not merely the adventure of a footloose senior citizen eager to hike through the stunning scenery of the United States. It was for the purpose of saving the country she loves. Doris fears deeply that American democracy is endangered by the torrent of big money flowing to politicians from wealthy special interests. Her improbable mission was to promote campaign finance reform, state by state, coast to coast. This is the route that I took. Started I in, say, in Santa Monica yes. and, and cut a swath through Arizona, the southwest, Texas, and Texas, and then sort of ma- made your way through Arkansas, up, up to in Tennessee, Kentucky, Ohio, uh, uh, Pennsylvania, and uh, uh, West Virginia. And then to Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C., right. Barely five feet tall and donning a broad-brimmed straw hat, 
Granny D set out on her late-in-life odyssey against what might have seemed heavy odds. She is sometimes afflicted with emphysema and arthritis and wears a back brace, but she was propelled by the power of belief. Her unshakable conviction is that our elected officials are largely bought and paid for by a small group of well-heeled donors with self-centered agendas. Total campaign costs have reached dizzying heights. Almost $3 billion was spent by candidates in the 2000 federal election. The main contributors were big business, big labor, wealthy individuals, and interest groups like the National Rifle Association, all hoping to influence the far-reaching decisions of government. How can you live with something to know what is happening in this country? It's not an easy thing to do. It's not easy to say that our democracy, of, by and for the people, has gone down the drain. We've sold it out. But how do you respond when people say it's still a great country? Of course it's a great country. There's, there's a lot of freedom here. There's a of lot of opportunity to succeed. More than in any other country in the world. But it's not a democracy. And it's getting worse. This is the problem. It's getting worse. And if we don't do something about it and do it fast, then we have lost it. I'm thinking about the legacy. I have 16 great-grandchildren, great-grandchildren. I want them to live in a democracy. Now, if you haven't heard about the 89-year-old Granny D, she is walking across the country to draw attention to campaign finance reform. Granny D will close out her trip with a rally in the nation's Imagine capital on her 90th birthday. Imagine walking coast to coast. A woman known as Granny D is doing exactly that. She's on an unusual mission that's taking her through such towns as Pasadena, California. I started out with a national petition asking that the legislature pass uh, a campaign finance reform. And I got cookie cutter letters back from our senators, having spent a couple of years with a group that we call Tuesday Morning Academy, getting these, the, the, a complete coverage of every one of the 50 states. And they sent back these letters saying, don't worry about this little old ladies, we are taking care of it. But Granny D and her friends were unpersuaded. Total expenditures for federal campaigns rose by two-thirds in the 1990s. The largest contributors included Philip Morris, AT&T, AOL Time Warner, Citigroup, the Association of Trial Lawyers, and the American Medical Association. Also among the hefty donors are the public employees' unions and the Teamsters. And even with efforts like the McCain-Feingold Law, aimed at curbing massive soft-money donations to the parties, the dollar amounts paid to candidates continue to climb at sky-high levels. It's really very difficult because everyone in the Senate or in the House is uh, either a rich uh, multimillionaire or he has had to take money from corporations or, or people who then become his boss so that they no longer have time for constituents. And... Nineteen of us had worked for two years on it, and that's what we got. Nothing happened, and nothing else was going to happen. When candidates and parties raise campaign funds, the money pays for costly TV and radio advertising, 
high-priced political consultants, voter registration drives, and elaborate efforts to get out the vote. This machinery of modern political campaigning is the peculiar way Americans select who will wield power in the mightiest, wealthiest nation on earth. We need to continue to keep faith with the values that made America strong and great and noble and good. And the answer is no. I am not going to have any more debates. We don't need any more debates. I've spelled out my position. In terms of negative campaigning... This campaign is too important. The stakes are too high for every American family. The real question is, will we have a president who fights for the privileged few, or will Broadcast we ads like this one cost big money. TV and radio stations sold more than $900 million in campaign advertising during the 2002 election. In Washington, Nick Nyhart heads the watchdog group Public Campaign. Something like 96% of Americans don't give campaign contributions at all, and most of the money comes from the top one-tenth of one percent of Americans. So uh, while the money giving is tremendously relevant for politicians and who wins elections, uh, for most Americans it's a game they simply don't play. And why is that? Well, I, I think if you look at uh, people trying to manage households, they've got uh, kids to educate, uh, they've got to keep a roof over their heads, uh, Americans are working more and more hours, uh, they don't have time and money left over for politics. And even though important decisions are being made uh, that affect them, um, they don't have the, the depth in their checking account to uh, compete with uh, well-financed interests who pour money into campaigns. So patients, for instance, don't have the kind of money that the medical industry does when it comes to health care policy. Uh, people who want to breathe clean air don't have the kind of money uh, that the polluters do uh, when it comes to giving contributions to candidates who will be more supportive of the energy industry than they will of uh, environmental issues. So you go down the line and uh, on many issues where the public might want one thing, um, elected officials are willing to do something else because they're dependent on large campaign contributions. I mean, let's be blunt, it's legalized bribery. Jim Hightower, an author and broadcaster in Austin, was the former agriculture commissioner of Texas. It's, it's not a matter of you making a $100 contribution to a candidate you like because you think that person uh, represents your values or is going to do a good job. We're talking about corporate interests, uh, lobbyists, uh, CEOs, uh, investor interests, that are able to put up um, half a million dollars uh, into a single congressional campaign uh, or into a presidential campaign. They'll put a, mil a million dollars up. They'll put $10 million up. Uh, and that comes uh, with an agenda attached to it. Uh, and that agenda is for them to get uh, regulatory benefits, uh, for them to get uh, tax subsidies, uh, for them to get uh, uh, special favors. And so all of this financing that is coming into these uh, congressional and presidential campaigns now are coming from a tiny, tiny minority of the American people, four-tenths of one percent of the American people give as much as $1,000 uh, to uh, political campaigns. With such a tiny group paying most of the politicians' bills, Granny D believes that office holders are strongly motivated to pay back their donors with favorable decisions of government policy. Under this system, she says, the interests of ordinary citizens who don't contribute are overridden. Her writing campaign to change this state of affairs had failed.
I was feeling very depressed about that uh, all this work had been for naught. And my son, who takes February off and goes into the Everglades in Florida to fish and camp by himself, he says it keeps his marriage fresh, um, it was going to Florida, and I have a sister who lives there. And so he said, I'll take you with me, and, and let's forget about the whole thing. And on the way, I saw an old man who was walking between one town and another, and I said, what is that old man doing out here in the middle of nowhere? And my son said, he's on the road again. And suddenly it came to me, that's what I can do. I have no money. I live on Social Security, so I have no means, and I would have to travel as a pilgrim. I really noticed him because he's so old, walking along with a cane and a bag. And if I, at 90, walked across this country, wouldn't people notice? Wouldn't people say, what is it that she's walking for? Why is it so important? And so then I talked to my son about it, and he said, oh, Mom, you're crazy. I said, no, I'm not. Well, he said, it might, might work, but I wouldn't uh, permit you to go unless you've trained for it. So I spent a whole, the rest of the year, this was in February, I walked the rest of the year and trained as he had asked me to do. And uh, then I, at the end of the year, I said, I'm prepared. I've done everything you've asked me to do. The you, were, you were trying to get to 10 miles a day? To, to get 10 miles a day, to be able to sleep on the ground, to be able to live on trail mix. I went to my local uh, editor, of the um, Keen Sentinel and got a letter from him saying that this is a woman who is, uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with her. <laughs> you were afraid you'd be dismissed as some kind of a crackpot? Yes, of course, at 90. And and she's a good in interviewee, so um, uh, use her. One journalist who immediately grasped the Granny D story was Jim Hightower in Austin, Texas. I learned about her in probably the second week of her walk. Uh, she started, you know, out in Rose Bowl Parade. Uh, Pasadena, California. On, in January 1st, and when the Rose Bowl Parade, they wouldn't let her actually be in the parade, so she walked behind it. Uh, she was a determined lady. And when the Rose Bowl Parade turned off, you know, went left, she just kept walking, <laughs> headed out across America. And it just appealed to my every sense of populism and uh, maverick and humor and, <laughs> and outrageousness. <laughs> I was executive director of Arizona Common Cause in 1999, and I got an email from someone who said, your big issue is campaign finance reform. There's a little old lady who's about to die on your desert for your issue, so heads up. And uh, that's how I found out that Granny D was coming. Dennis Burke, now living near Boston, co-authored the book Granny D, You're Never Too Old to Raise a Little Hell. He now helps administer Granny's public appearances. By the time I uh, uh, caught up with her by finally contacting her son um, and asked her son how she was going to get across the Mojave Desert because uh, very young, fit people died on that desert every year. Um, 
And I said, "What's how's she going to do it?" And he said, "You tell me." So that's how that's how, you know that's how the organizing was done. Um, so we organized some common cause volunteers and uh, uh, helped her across the Mojave Desert uh, by having a support vehicle and making it so she didn't have to carry her pack and her water, having things available for her. She uh, adopted people along the way that she found useful to to, to the mission, and and I was one of many. Uh, Ken Heckler, the 84-year-old at that time uh, Secretary of State of West Virginia and a great reformer in his own right, uh, the man responsible for the, the Coal Mine Health and Safety Acts uh, and, a, and a brave fellow to put those through when he did. Uh, he, he became part of the regular team too. So we just all um, uh, began organizing uh, community by community, state by state. I had a daily radio show at the time, Susan DeMarco and I did, called The Chat and Chew. Jim Hightower had been following Granny D's journey. Residents of the towns she passed through were often quite hospitable. Sometimes bed and breakfast inns would put her up for free. But in the early weeks, the exertion of averaging 10 miles a day, five or six days a week, proved too much of a strain for a woman at that time 89 years old. She ended up briefly hospitalized with pneumonia, but rebounded quickly and resumed her walk. And we called her up uh, uh, via uh, a cell phone that she had. Granny D, you're 500 miles into it, only roughly 2,500 miles to go. How are you feeling? You feeling okay? Yeah, I'm feeling wonderfully well. What all else did you do this week? Did you? Well, well we went to a Buckeye, Buckeye to, a, to a rodeo. All right. Uh, and instead of, a, instead of um, a key to the city, they gave me a little angel uh, locket, which I put on immediately because I can use all the angel yes. help I need, I can get. <laughs> and then I, uh, I got a key to the city of Peoria Excellent. from the mayor. Great. So that was nice. So people are responding. Are they still honking as they drive by you and that yes, sort of thing? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Go, Granny, Saying, go. Go, Granny, go. Exactly. We were so charmed uh, by the sincerity, uh, passion, eloquence, uh, that we thought, well, hey, this is really someone unique. And so we, every week, every Friday, had a regular uh, routine of checking in with her wherever she was on the phone, and she would regale us with stories of what had happened that week, you know, how she had walked in to try to see Senator John Kyle in Phoenix, Arizona. And John Kyle had said uh, had no time on his schedule, not able to. It, we just had this image of John Kyle under his desk, you know, locked office, you know, afraid of this, uh, at the time, 89-year-old. Uh, grandmother uh, walking across America, uh, and she just had story after story. So it was just wonderful, and she became, in, in our view, uh, the spirit of America, and certainly the spirit of uh, of taking our country back. Uh, somebody so dedicated uh, that they would do that. As Granny D inched her way along the highways of America, word of her pilgrimage began to spread. Sometimes en route, her impending arrival in a town was announced by media to local citizens. They came out on their porches when it was time and waved to me and then called people ahead, she's coming, she's coming. And when I got to the town, there'd be people lined up on each side of the town, like I was a a circus. (laughs) Did Did that make you uncomfortable at all? I loved it. I was getting the message out. As far as I was concerned, Granny D was somebody different, somebody who had a message, and that message needed to get out. 
we are not running our own country. It is being run by the corporations. I tried to rouse them up and say, look what's happening. You're losing your democracy. You're letting it go down the drain. You're spitting on the graves of those people who fought and died for this democracy. And you better wake up and get off, get off your butts and do something about it. Because it's getting worse and worse. Worse and worse. In Fort Worth, Texas, Granny was formally received by the city council. The mayor had sent over a proclamation in her honor. And then we also wanted to present you with a key to the city of Fort Worth. And of course, you know, you've stolen all of our hearts and you have a key to them as well. And I hope that you will come back and visit us, but please take a car the next time you come. <laughs> Thank you very much. In April 2nd, I came to Texas, and I looked forward to this, this city uh, for a long time because it meant that I would be halfway home. And I want to say how much I appreciate the police escort that I've been given in the past two days. The coverage in the um, local papers was tremendous. Everywhere I went, I was front page. The national press, while it was never over the top, uh, uh, started to build. Dennis Burke. Uh, Charlie Gibson at Good Morning America would call in every couple of weeks and do an on-the-road on the interview, uh, NPR. So the notice began to build. And as, as that continued, we saw attitudes changing in terms of campaign finance reform. It, in fact, generated, I mean, her walk generated hundreds of thousands of, of uh, messages to Congress. The staff of Senator McCain and the staff of Senator Feingold and Marty Meehan uh, and Chris Shays in the House uh, could see it. You know, when, when, when Doris was on uh, Good Morning America or NPR, all of a sudden the Capitol switchboards would light up. And so that's their rough guess of, of what happened. Um, and it, it did make a difference. Everybody on the highway now were aware of, of who it was, and they would roll down their window, and, and, and if you went this, and they, I could get a cacophony going among the trucks by, by pumping my elbow, and they, they, <laughs> they'd they, be honking. They'd be honking, and, then they'd, and they'd, then they'd yell at each other and say, there's Granny, there's Granny, and um, then they'd say, They'd roll down the thing and say, go, Granny, go. And I had a pin on my, well, I have a pin on my hat that says, go, Granny, go. And we put those out uh, everywhere. She is just, just fabulous. She's one of those people, she's just good, clear through. Syndicated newspaper columnist and author Molly Ivins. I thank everybody who, you know, works at trying to make it a better world. Um, gets discouraged and feels sorry for themselves and uh, thinks they need a break. And then you look at Doris Haddock and you think, oh, I'm feeling sorry for myself. This is ridiculous. Um, let's get back to work here, team. Um, and without ever, she does that for you without ever putting you down or making, I mean, she, all, she thinks we're all wonderful. We don't do one-tenth as much as she does. 
Is it just because of her vitality at age 93 that she's so inspiring to you? Well, it's not just who she is at age 93, but it's who she's been all of her life. Um, to see that clearly and to be that indefatigable, to to have a sense of mischief and joy. I mean, she's really wonderful. If we got in town in time for the rotaries at noontime, we would uh, go and talk to the rotaries, and they decided that we uh, we ought to have a thing in 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 the uh, support car to uh, talk to the to the truckers. So they put in a communication system. So every morning I would pick up the uh, thing and say, "Good morning, gentlemen. <laughs> this is Granny D, and um, uh, you watch out for me now." And they would, if you know, whoever there was, they would say. Good morning, Granny D. And somebody would say, who the hell is that? And they said, that's the old lady walking across the country campaign finance reform. Haven't you ever heard of her? What is it, do you think, that, that sustains her? You're talking about sort of a phenomenal level of energy and focus, especially for someone in her 90s. I think uh, she, she's not unlike the rest of us. She wants her life to have meant something. Dennis Burke. Um, and it has. I mean, she's done some incredible things in her life, going way back to the anti-nuclear movement. And she and her husband essentially saved a, an Alaskan village from, from H-bomb testing that Edward Teller wanted to do up there. And she certainly helped raise the consciousness around campaign finance as an issue. Uh, but she wants to know that her life meant something and that it meant as much as she could make it mean. What is the significance of one citizen standing up and merely walking across a continent to bear witness to an important conviction? It's uh, really, really remarkable. Um, and I, I, I tend to get the emails that come off of her website and the stories of people who were encouraged to do something or to take a stand or to be active uh, or, or it, something. I mean, there, there's, I have thousands of them, literally thousands of them, people feeling that there's an op- there is an opportunity, there is a chance uh, to have a life of meaning. And, and I remember one particularly poignant moment where she was walking along a road in, I think, um, maybe Arkansas, and a lady parked her car up ahead as Doris was walking by, and she got out of her car and uh, just was there uh, when Doris uh, walked by her. And Doris, of course, stopped. And, um, and, and the lady was just sort of in tears. And, and Doris said, are you all right? And she said, yeah, I had kind of a, um, um, a hard uh, visit with my doctor. I was just coming home. When you said she had a hard visit with her doctor. Yeah, I think she had just gotten some bad news, and the mortality of, of life was upon her. And, um, and so that um, Doris to her, I think, represented a life of meaning, and, um, and she wanted to at least hug it, which she did. Shortly before embarking on her cross-country trek, Granny D. Haddock was grieving over the death of a close friend following the loss of her dear husband of 62 years. She was able to use the long journey as a way to walk off her sorrows. You take your sadness and make something joyous out of it, something good, something that's for other people. 
If you have a mission and it's deep enough, you can do a, a lot of things. Don't forget, I'm walking. I was walking with a back brace. I had uh, emphysema, which is, which is becoming coming back to me now, much worse because uh, I have, don't walk the way I did. Uh, walking 10 miles a day uh, improved my emphysema, and I had. Uh, sciatica nerve that bothered me every once in a while. Go, that's a pain that starts in, the, in your back and goes down all the way to uh, your leg to, to your toes. I was not physically perfect. The walk that I was doing was in order for my great-grandchildren to have a decent legacy. And, and, and of course, I uh, wanted to respect those people who had fought and died for it. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. Studio recording by Steve Colby. Editorial assistance from Thomas Royal. Special thanks to Hightower Associates and John Anthony. Our program is presented by Human Media in association with The Network Incorporated. Program development and support provided by Shart Media. To purchase a CD copy of this program, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN. That's 1-800-5-L-I-S-T-E-N. Or visit our website where you can also obtain an audio download of this and our other programs and can hear selected episodes free. You can access free written materials related to this program as well. Our web address is humanmedia.org. That's humanmedia.org. Again, if you'd like to purchase a CD copy of Humankind by phone, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN, and our web address is humanmedia.org. This segment on Granny D is Humankind program number 73. The executive producer is David Freudberg. This is Humankind. To hear more episodes of Humankind, you can subscribe to our free podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast player. A new episode each week. The podcast title is Humankind on Public Radio. And if you enjoy this program, be sure to leave us a kind review at iTunes and Stitcher. If you want to support the program, please visit humanmedia.org. And at the top of the homepage, click on How You Can Help. Again, our web address is humanmedia.org. Thanks.